Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, topics, loaded like offense, co-centric, talk about it often, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out. Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts film room, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Danley. Thank you guys for coming back to the show. Uh, as always, thank you guys for getting to Stampede Blue and checking out everything that we've got on the site for you guys. Uh, as you know, we've got some great writers, a whole lot to offer you guys, and uh, and it's just continuing great news and analysis from the team. So make sure you guys are staying put there and, uh, and taking in all that we offer there. So uh, today on the film room, I was going to give you guys kind of a, a backtrack of the Texans last game uh, but I thought better against it you know we know what to expect from the Houston Texans this week we know they're on a roll with nine wins in a row we know about J.J. Watt we know about Deshaun Watson we know about Lamar Mill we know about all that stuff I don't need to tell you guys about it so for today's film room I decided to bring in Stampede Blues Zach Hicks who has done a ton of film room work on the Colts in general and I wanted to get his opinions and views on what he's seen from some of these guys it's you're not getting the Andrew Luck film room you're not getting you know a lot of the guys that you might expect you're getting a lot of other guys that a lot of people aren't doing so Zach thank you for jumping on the show tonight my man yeah, of course, man. Thanks for having me on. I, I love talking about these film rooms, and I love doing them every week. So, uh, pleasure to be on, man. Good. Glad you're here. We've got a, a little list here, and I want to talk to you about these guys. Like I said, these aren't, you know, it's not the the Darius Leonard, although I think we would really enjoy a, a little <laughs> bit of that, too. But, I mean, just in general, you've got a lot of good names. You're not discriminating on these film rooms, and I want to get your, your opinions on some of these guys. Now, you did Matthew Adams recently. He's been a guy that I was kind of – really excited about when he came in just because of his physical tools the way that he ends up playing the game you know he seems like he is kind of the ideal future at the Sam position and he's also done a little bit of maneuvering throughout the linebacking core this year as well what did you see from him that kind of stuck out on tape so the first thing that I looked at was his special team play especially like early in the year because uh, through the first five games of the year when I looked at his uh, snap counts he actually didn't log one defensive snap in the first five games, which actually shocked me. I thought that he was rotating in there more, but I think it was more of Najee Good in there. Mm-hmm. But when I look back at some of his special teams play, like immediately he's just a tone setter there. And I think that he'll always kind of have a role in the NFL because of that special teams play. So that's a good base to have, especially for a young player. But these last couple weeks, you've kind of seen him work more into the lineup. He's been subbing a little bit with Zaire Franklin. And then these last couple of weeks, he's actually been taking over like a majority of the snaps. I think he had 
41 percent of the snaps on on defense last week and that's a lot for a sandbacker that's this a defense. ton yeah it's a ton for a sam linebacker in this defense so he had 41 percent of the snaps and we saw it on the field i mean he killed cody kessler on that one play which <laughs> i meant i mentioned in my uh article five years ago we're talking about his first career sack we're not talking about a penalty so right. it was a great play obviously he lowered his head a little bit uh so in today's nfl it's, a, it's not a sack uh he had a great open field tackle on tj yeldon out of the backfield and just overall i've seen his play kind of improve each week he's he's kind of understanding more of the position he's doing the dirty work he's doing a lot of the little things to help and run defense and and that's what you got to ask out of a sandbacker in a four three so He's getting really good um, at the, all the little things there. I just want him to keep improving. Uh, my biggest kind of drawbacks that I saw with him is just like his instincts aren't 100% there yet. Mm-hmm. His uh, block shedding's not really there yet. But that's just because I don't think he's played much. Uh, but he's impressed me a lot more than what I thought he would. I I mean NFL.com I think didn't even have a didn't even have a like scouting report on him coming out of college. Like right. I couldn't find scouting reports on him anywhere. So. I was trying to use that as like a background thing, but I couldn't find anything. But, uh, you know, a guy who really flew under the radar, Matthew, uh, Chris Ballard really found a, a good player here in Matthew Adams. And I think he's just going to keep getting better. And I, I'm really liking him with that sandbacker role. So I think it was you before the season you were hyping him up, saying he could be a dark horse on this team. So I got to give you credit there. He's he's played pretty well these last couple of weeks. He's been impressive. I, I really liked watching him play. Now, there was something, and I can't say that I know this, or that I've really paid much attention to it, but everybody knows what Matthew Adams like is known for. Once you see him hit somebody, he yep. is there to blow people up. But do you see him kind of breaking down? I mean, do you see him controlled as he's coming in for those big hits? Or because I don't, I don't see him flying around through the air just like a, a hapless arrow. You know what I mean? You see him, you know, kind of in the mix. It seems like he's got pretty good form tackles. He just seems to pack a lot of power. Yeah, he uh, targets really well, and he actually drives through ball carriers, which is actually a really good like aspect that you don't really see on many players, even on this Colts team. Like Darius Leonard, don't get me wrong, he's a great tackler, but not every time is he going to aim perfectly, he's going to hit right in the hips, and he's going to drive through ball carriers. Mm-hmm. Matthew Adams' big hits aren't him just kind of diving in there with the shoulder first, not like you know the old Leron Landry type, you know right. Bernard Pollard, like those type of safeties where they just dive head first, throwing their shoulder at a guy. Matthew Adams is a is a big physical guy and you know he came in as one of those smaller linebackers like those 230 pound guys and he does not look any bit of a 230 pound linebacker he looks like he's 250 260 and when he hits guys he drives through them and carries them and and drives them backwards so I think that's where you see a lot of his big hits is that he's just a really strong broad-shouldered guy and he just drives his legs through contact so yeah, he's a really short tackler and open field, athletic guy too. So I think that's where you see a lot of the big hits there is because he just drives through guys. And he's kind of he's kind of the prototypical Sam in terms of how he plays the game, his physicality. But he does he has I mean, I maybe not, but I, I always feel like I like that he has the speed of a quality will as well. Yeah, no, he definitely has the speed. I think he ran a four six at his pro day, which you know, it's not blazing speed for a linebacker because we saw guys like Leighton Vander Esch run like four fives and, and other guys run like four fours even at linebacker. I think uh, Tremaine Edmonds ran a four four at the combine. But, you know, that's pretty good speed for a linebacker. If you're running four six, you're in the upper percentile there. So he, he's a good he has some good speed there for the linebacker. And if you throw in how, how physical he plays and how strong of a player he is, I mean, you have pretty much the full package there at Sam. So I think, yeah, again, once he gets a little more developed there and he kind of you know, his instincts are kind of on par with guys like Leonard and, and Anthony Walker. You might have a really good 
you know, linebacker core, three guys who are really young too. So mm-hmm. uh, just he's got to keep improving every day. But yeah, man, he's he's got the speed, the strength, everything right there that you would like. Yeah, and you hit it too. I was going to say those instincts when those start to pick up and those start to kind of smooth out, that'll make him even. I mean, naturally faster. Your your reaction time uh, plus your speed, you know, kind of negates a little bit of that any lack of speed that you might have. But let's mm-hmm. talk about Anthony Walker a little bit since you mentioned him here. Uh, he, I've noticed. Darius Leonard is getting a ton of credit this year, and and rightly so. But Anthony Walker has had a really good season, and not to mention the chemistry between he and Leonard really seems to be impressive. What did you see from his tape? He is one of the better run-stuffing linebackers that I've seen uh, across the league, like looking at other teams too, because I look a little bit of film on other teams too. He's a really good run-stuffer, and it's not that he's overly physical with linemen, that he sheds blocks perfectly. He just... He's really good at shifting through ta- through uh, traffic up front when the linemen are blocking on defensive linemen, other linebackers. He's really good at shifting through traffic. He's got great speed to the sideline, and his instincts are, are really good there in the run game. So I think he, he's an excellent run-stuffing middle linebacker, and I think that goes really well with a guy like Darius Leonard. I think my only drawback I had on him was he does kind of overplay the run a little bit, mm-hmm. which... Yep. You can kind of live with at times. I, I just think other like better offenses are going to take advantage of that. We saw I saw a little bit of it in the Patriots game. They took advantage of that a little bit, throwing some slants right behind him in his zone. But you know, if your biggest flaw on the linebacker all year is that he's a little too aggressive, I can take that because you can kind of you can live with a too aggressive guy instead of a too passive guy. So you have a great run stuffing linebacker with great speed I think there's there's a lot of potential there to build upon with with Anthony Walker Mm -hmm. and one of the things that I've noticed from him this year is he is you know and it's great when you've got Darius Leonard there known as a sure tackler and just a tackling machine but I've seen a lot of you know Anthony Walker does not allow allow a lot of yak after catches you know he he does sit back and allow those things to come in front of him a lot but he just doesn't seem to – I mean, he seems to be getting people to the ground at the catch point, and I think that that's really important, for, especially for a Mike in this system. Yeah, he's playing with a lot of confidence right now too, which which confidence is a really big thing. And, you know, if we talk about Quincy Wilson here, that that's another big thing I'll talk about with him. But uh, confidence is huge for defenders. You know, it, half the game is confidence for these guys. So knowing that you have a guy like Darius Leonard behind you or you have, you know, guys like Malik Hooker who, even though other people are saying he's not – having a great year, you have confidence as a defender. Like, hey, that's a guy who should have been a top 10 pick behind me. He's going to make a tackle if I miss. I'm going to come in, and I'm going to, you know, do my best to tackle this guy. And, you know, I I think that's just the big thing with him. They're all playing with a lot of confidence right now. They all trust each other, and that's why the defense is kind of taking that big step. So it's easier to make tackles coming forward like that in the zone Mm -hmm. when you have the confidence in the rest of your team around you. Absolutely. We'll get to Wilson here in just a minute, but who who was maybe your favorite film study that you've done thus far? Well, Matthew Adams was fun, but Kenny Moore probably is my favorite. Uh, I mean, that was the guy who everybody was calling for his head in the preseason. Right. And I was watching this guy, and I was like, this guy is all over the field. I mean, you see him line up in slot. He's on the outside. He's contesting passes against uh, DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green. Yeah, bigger he's guys. Tackle- yeah, he's making tackles in the backfield. He's throwing his head in there on on Leonard Fournette. And, like, I mean, this, this guy literally does it all. And he plays every – like, if you didn't know what college he was from – and you watch this film, you'd say, okay, that guy is from like some FCS school or some Division II school because there's no way that guy, not to badmouth like big schools, but I mean, he looks like a small school guy because the way he plays every single snap, like it's the last snap he's ever going to play. So, hmm. I mean, he, he was a blast to watch, and I, I had so much fun watching him, and I still kind of watch him when I'm watching other guys. 
I really enjoyed, you know, just the little bit that I've picked up from just kind of paying attention to him throughout games and a little bit of, you know, rewatching some film myself. But I, I, and that was kind of the thing you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. I, it just, it's crazy at his size how well he stays sticky to some of those bigger receivers and still challenges them at the catch point. I just, it, it's just not something you expect to see from a guy of his stature and he does it really well. Yeah. He's, he's very savvy and really competitive and you can kind of see, I know that, you know, we're not supposed to talk about this team on here, but you can see why the Patriots picked him up as an undrafted free agent. Right. Uh, his, his draft year. I mean, he, he kind of embodies like the type of player that Patriots the Patriots team looks for it's that really savvy competitive guy not the best athlete in the world and he's going to get beat on some you know he's going to get beaten like press man coverage every now and then because he's just not that kind of athlete and not that kind of size but I mean if you're going to guy who competes like that at the catch point when he's 5'9 five, 5'8 five, whatever size he is I mean that that is a corner that you can build off right there that's a leader of your team no matter if he's your fifth corner or your first corner he I mean, that, I have so much fun watching him. He's he's involved in almost every play. He's kind of like Darius Leonard, but in the secondary, just all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a it's a really, I feel like it's a good pleasure to watch this guy every single week. I agree. He's fun. I I've enjoyed watching how physical he is when yeah. it's another aspect that you don't necessarily expect from him at the line of scrimmage coming up to make some plays. He's made some mistakes. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. you just don't expect to see a guy, uh, you know, what five eight five nine whatever he is you know yeah yeah that comes up (laughs) and is that physical against just anybody who's in front of him I mean he just doesn't discriminate he does not care who's carrying the ball he's going to come up and give him a pop and that's really not only is it important in this scheme but it's fun to watch yeah definitely uh yeah by far and away the most fun I've had watching a film room especially when he lit up uh the Bills tight end I think it was Kroom coming across the middle late in that Bills game you like flip the guy over and it was and then the very next play he got a pick and I was like man this guy is all <laughs> over the place I I mean it was so much fun and you can see why the coaches love him and we're talking him up you know there was uh, a little bit of a, a whatever you want to call it I wouldn't say controversy uh, like a, a real battle among the corners in, in the preseason and in uh training camp and stuff like that And uh, we'll get to Quincy Wilson here in just a minute. We're going to take a quick break for our ad, and then we'll be right back with more from Zach Hicks. All right, Colts fans, we have a great deal for you. Let me tell you guys about TickPick, this amazing app to buy tickets to any game, concert, or other event. Are you looking for tickets to this week's game and want to know exactly what you're going to pay for those tickets? I do. And if you do too, then TickPick and their amazing and simple app is right up your alley. The TickPick app is extremely easy to use, and best of all, there are absolutely no surprises at checkout. Listen, you find the game, find the seat you want, and you're all set. Think StubHub without any fees. You get the same tickets, same seller, but absolutely zero fees. You save 10 to 15% on every ticket order, and get this. For our listeners, they're offering you an amazing offer of $15 off any single order over $99 through the end of the season. All you have to do is enter SB Colts as your gift code at checkout. This isn't a sign-up only offer either. They went all in for you guys. Not only do I use TickPick, but I approached them and wanted to get the word out on this company because it was so stinking easy and nobody likes to find the seats they want, then get that smack in the face at checkout of another $35 to $50 in fees being added. I'll never use another ticket app again. It's very user-friendly and you get the same great tickets with lightning quick ticket transfers. Remember, that's TickPick and use the gift code SBCOLTS to save yourself $15 on any order over $99. Go to TickPick and take advantage of this offer to two-day, 100% verified Colts tickets without any fees. 
All right, guys, we're back. Uh, thank you for coming back to the show again, Zach. Let's talk about Quincy Wilson, one of those guys you mentioned earlier in the show about you know his confidence and how much that how important that is. He's gotten a little bit more playing time uh, lately, actually quite a bit more playing time, and you see that they're kind of moving him around as well. Do you see a spot where he? I mean, obviously, he's a guy that we know is probably better in man coverage. You know, he's learning these zones. Uh, he gave a lot of credit to Mike Mitchell, the new safety that the Colts signed uh, several weeks ago. But what are you seeing? Are you seeing a change in, you know, maybe his approach? Is it footwork? Is it uh, is it uh, being able to click and close, so to speak? Or, or what is it from Quincy that you're seeing? I think my biggest thing, and I actually didn't even put this in my article, my biggest thing with Quincy coming out of Florida is you have this big body corner who's not really that great of an athlete, who only really played man, only really knew man coverage. Mm -hmm. So now he's getting to the NFL, he's kind of being asked to be in his own scheme. And, you know, I I don't know Quincy, so I can't say this about him, but I'm sure that hurt his confidence a bit going from, you know, being a a Florida corner, one of the top guys in the country, basically, Matt Miller's number one corner going to the draft and just struggling like he did. And I think you could kind of see it on the film, especially early in the year against the Bengals, where he had a kind of rough game. He had to cover A.J. Green in man coverage a couple of times, which, you know, even the best corners are going to get down on themselves after trying to cover A.J. Green. Sure. Uh, but, but you know, later in the year, you can kind of see the confidence switch. I mean, after his injury, everyone was calling for his head, just kind of like Kenny Moore in the preseason. Everyone was calling for his head saying, OK, it's time to move on from Quincy Wilson. I think I even said in the Slack chat like one time a couple of weeks ago, it was like, whatever gets Quincy Wilson off the field, I'm happy. <laughs> uh, but but these last couple of weeks, I, I've seen a big improvement in his zone discipline, his zone eyes, where like he's he's getting into his position, he's getting into his zone. But instead of just sitting in that zone and being passive and sitting back, he's reading the quarterback's eyes. He's reading the play in front of him. He's he's trusting the guys behind him, and he's going out there and making more plays. Uh, we saw it in, with a pick against the Titans mm-hmm. where he dropped back into a, into a zone that wasn't necessarily his, and he got that interception. And then... Oh, which game was it? I think it was the Dolphins game where he had that big pass breakup on the goal line. Mm-hmm. He he was supposed to be in in mid flats around the the first down marker, but he kept reading Tannehill's eyes and kept dr- drifting back to the goal line. So you're seeing a little bit more of that confidence with him in zone. I think that's where his his style of play has kind of been jumping up. And then the other area where he's really gotten better is he's been a lot more physical because the coaches have kind of put him on tight ends and more in the slot and more in the box. And I think that's kind of improving his physicality because you have to be physical in the box. You have to be physical with tight ends. You have to be physical when run plays come to you. So overall, I think the coach has done a good job of getting him right in the right areas. And I think he's just getting more comfortable in zone schemes. So overall, we're seeing more confidence and we're seeing a, a better Quincy Wilson. So we're seeing him improve in those zones. But do you legitimately think that he can be uh, you know, a corner for the Colts here for, in the long haul for the next three and four years in this scheme? I don't know if he'll ever live up to that second round billing. Cause I, I just don't, in my opinion, he's a little too limited as an athlete to really be like your number one corner forever and, and going forward, a guy that you trust, a guy you can pull on an island sometimes. But I think he can be a good role player. I think he's he's kind of shown that these last couple of weeks that he can be a solid contributor on a team like this. You can put him in zone. You can trust him on his side. You can even move him to the box and put him on tight ends, and he can kind of uh, you know play pretty well there as well. So hmm. I think he's going to be a good role player going forward. Hopefully he keeps taking more and more steps going forward. But overall, I mean, I, I you can't really complain with his play the last couple of weeks. It's been pretty solid. I just hope he continues to build on it and keeps building his confidence. Right, and, and I think ultimately the idea, at least from Colts fans and, and myself included here, 
is that you want to see him kind of live up. Not necessarily. I mean, if you want to, you know, uh, make that the threshold to where he was actually drafted. Ultimately, I think what you just want to see from him is consistency and improvement every single year. And if you do that, you you understand his upside and what he can do for you. Because he, I mean, he's a fairly instinctual guy. I think. Yeah. Um. He he's just not like you said, and I agree with you. He's just not that elite athlete. And it, it kind of is probably going to take one of those guys, one of those big time draft picks for the Colts at cornerback to kind of really improve the the base of this defense. So uh, it'll be interesting going forward. I'm I'm a I'm a fan of Quincy, and I understand why people get the you know why he comes off to them the way he does but i i just man i i just root for the guy because he seemed he said he was such a uh, a personable guy and i did i guess maybe i didn't really expect that from him you know uh talking to him and at, at camp and stuff like that so i uh, just hope that he's able to to get himself you know together and i'm glad that he had a guy like mitchell to kind of you know steer him in the right direction in terms of you know what to look for where to be you know and and just kind of how to play the game in this scheme i think that's probably going to make a big deal for or be a big deal for him um, we got a couple more here on the list real quick of, of the guys that you looked at. Now, Danico Autry early in the season was almost everywhere. He took, you know, he was injured a little bit. He had a couple games where he was really not up to snuff. What you watched him against the Jags. What did you see? Yeah. So I saw a player who he kind of looked like his, his earlier season self. And I know uh, a couple of the games that you're referring to, especially that first uh, Houston game while right. we're on the you know, the topic of going against Houston here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Autry was all over the place in that first Houston game. I think he he got a sack or two in that one as well. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he's been struggling with injuries. Uh, again, he's not really the best athlete in the world where he's going to be nimble and he's going to fly past guys. But he does have some pass rush uh, finesse to him. Like, he, he has a nice little swim move. He has uh, nice little rip and pull moves as well. Uh, and And honestly, I think the game on Sunday was a combination of Autry healthy and finally like getting after it and also going against backup offensive linemen for the Jaguars because mm-hmm. AJ Khan or AJ can however you say his name is one of the worst linemen I've seen this year uh, I mean he was he had no business being on the field in that game but uh, so Autry beat him I think for for two sacks in the game along with the two forced fumbles were both against him uh, when he was lined up against Khan but I mean they moved Autry around a little bit like they've been doing all year and he was able to get off some blocks so Overall, again, it was a great game from Autry. I think he did benefit a little bit, though, from Kessler holding the ball a little bit and from from poor offensive line play. But, uh, yeah, he's getting after it, and I think he's kind of proving himself to be, uh, you know, this kind of role player, depth, defensive lineman, or even a starter, depending on where the Colts go with the draft and free agency because he, he has that motor. He has some some pass rush skill to him, and, and he's going to be a key piece going forward, I think, for this team. I do, too. I hope that he can, you know, have a repeat kind of like you mentioned against uh... – the Texans this Sunday like he did in their first meeting because he was he was a, a wrecking machine in that game it's just like man why can't he do this every week you know and you just don't see the consistency from him but man you sure do see the the peaks you know they, they really stand out when you watch him uh, another guy here Evan Bame you know backup center with Ryan Kelly being out young guy I mean I, I don't know that I've noticed him getting just blown away uh, a lot, but am I what am I missing something, or has he played pretty well? Yeah, so I will say I haven't watched his past games, so he could have had the worst game of all time this past game. I don't know. So whatever this analysis off is based off the Dolphins game, right. uh, but he he played really well in that Dolphins game, and 
And he's a completely different player from Ryan Kelly, though. Ryan Kelly is an athletic guy, a guy who can get to the second level, a guy who can who can move linebackers off a spot, a guy who can even get to secondary players on sweep plays and, and open, open up big plays. Uh, Ryan Kelly's that kind of center, where Evan... Evan Bame or Bayheim, I again, I, I'm not going to try saying his name anymore. <laughs> uh, but but Evan Bame, he he's more of a he's a pretty poor athlete. He's kind of a short, stocky built guy, but he's a really competitive, really smart guy. So when he's in pass coverage, he recognizes stunts really well. He's good at directing the line on where to block. He's a very physical guy. I, I mean, I've seen I saw him put like four or five guys on their backs against the Dolphins, and I was like, wow. Like this is this is gonna look great in, in the film room because I can just hype up how he's finding work and crushing guys. And I think he's good in more of the phone booth area where if, if you ask him to chip a defense lineman and then get to like a linebacker who's close to the line of scrimmage, he's better that way. Or Kelly will get out in front, he'd be able to flip his hips. Mm-hmm. So but Bam's a little bit different, but he played really well against the Dolphins. I don't think he even got beat once in that game and and he had some pretty uh high highs in the run blocking department. So He's a really good fill-in center, and I think he's been a pretty good uh, fill-in for for an all-pro type player like Ryan Kelly. Yeah, when he first got his start, I thought, you know, I think I said on the show, I just said, he doesn't have to be Ryan Kelly. He doesn't have to be great. He just has to be good enough because he's got some good help on both sides of him. And as long as he can just kind of hold his own and not screw anything up and, and not snap the ball over Luck's head, it could it'd probably be just just fine, you know. I mean, but man, we are sure missing Kelly. That there's no two ways about it. It'd be nice to have him back as soon as he can get back. Yeah. Uh, Kelly, and, Kelly and Doyle have been the yeah, the last big losses. You know, yeah, losing those guys. Just your, that's pretty, probably your your two best blockers on the team outside of maybe Quentin Nelson. But those are your two best blockers on the team. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, losing them has definitely hurt the team a little bit. Yeah, and going forward, it's uh, you know kind of a, uh, a kind of a scary thought a little bit. You know, when you're talking about do the Colts have a possibility of getting into the playoffs and such? I mean, that, that that's just you know those are two big losses, uh, especially Doyle because he's not coming back. We don't know much about Kelly uh, right now, but you know, waiting for him, hoping he can come back. It's not going to be this week. Uh, mm-hmm. They've already listed him as out, so. That's not going to happen. So hopefully, at least in the next couple of weeks, hopefully the Colts can win without him. But uh, let's talk a little bit about Kamoko Ture. You said that you watched a little bit of on him. And something that I noticed this past week is we're seeing, you know, a little bit more from Tyquan Lewis. They're putting him at the end. And I think most of it's for matchup reasons. And, you know, Stephen Holder even talked about uh, on his latest episode of Horseshoes that, you know, Kamoko Ture is like 235. Yeah, you know, I'm not a big guy. Tyquan Lewis and he are not the same kind of player. They are not, you know, the same defensive end. Kamoko Turi is there purely for burst speed and to get to the quarterback. Uh, Tyquan Lewis matches m- up much better against guys who can be physical, and Tyquan has a you know some of those pass rush moves that you really mm-hmm. like to see. So, what do you see? What did you see rather from Ture and? Do you think that he has kind of long-term viability for for this scheme? Yeah, so Trey, I when we first drafted him, I was like, I, I don't see the fit really in a 4-3 because, again, like you said, he's a 235, 240 guy at best. So at first I was like, okay, he, this guy's a 3-4 linebacker. I don't really see the fit. Uh, but then I saw kind of earlier in the year because my, my film room on him, I believe, was only through week six. Mm-hmm. So it hasn't really been recent weeks even though I've been keeping an eye on him. Uh, but – 
yeah, he, he's more of a sub a sub rusher. Even when Tyquan Lewis wasn't playing, they had um, Carol Phillips as a starter on the end. They had uh, Al Kidin Muhammad. Uh, hopefully, I said that name right. Yeah. Uh, he was a starter on the end as well because those guys are more of your run stuffer type guys. So they kind of filled in there on the run on the run stuffing downs, and they brought in Toure on the pass rushing downs and. Trey really excels in that role. I mean, I saw him beat Jason Peters like a drum a couple times. In the first Texans game, he was also outstanding in that one, Kamoka Ture, and he actually had a couple uh, really good pressures in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bills game, he was outstanding, even though that wasn't in my film room. Uh, Ture was was great in that game as well. And I think we're seeing a guy kind of, again, blossom a little bit as the season's going on. He's not, you know, he's never really going to be the stout run stuffer. Uh, he'll never really be a starter on the end. But if you can have a really good sub rusher, a guy who can you know, get you a bunch of pressures a year, be second on your team in pressures as a sub-rusher throughout the whole year, which he is this year, I think you're getting really good value out of a guy. So he never really has to be that starter. You got, you got guys like Tyquan Lewis. You got Jabal Sheard. You got whoever they're going to bring in this offseason because uh, I'm assuming they're going to bring in a couple more guys on the end. Mm-hmm. He never really has to be a starter out there. If he can be a good sub-rusher, I'm fine with it. I don't even want him to to really add weight because he might lose some speed on there. So, right. so far he's been great. I like how he's progressed. I think he's even gotten a little bit better as a run defender, even though, again, I don't really need him to be a great run defender to be successful in the pros. So I think going forward, I, I do think the next couple of years he's going to still be that situational rusher. Maybe he adds weight. Maybe he becomes a starter down the line. But overall, I mean, if they're if their main plan is to start him as a or to have him as a situational rusher behind guys like Tyquan Lewis and and Jabal Sheard, I mean, I, I think he's going to be great in that role. So, uh, I mean, he's had a great rookie season, second among all rookies and in, in pressures this year, only behind Bradley Chubb, who was you know a top five pick. Mm-hmm. So he's he's been uh, all over the place this year. So uh, just going forward, hopefully he can stay healthy and he can you know keep that quickness up and keep working with the guys like Robert Mathis and and really hone in on his abilities there. What do you see from him as far as technique-wise? How much? I mean, has he got a lot of work to do? Technique-wise, actually, he he has a lot of moves in his arsenal right now. He's really quick off the end, and I do really – my favorite thing about him is he's he's a bendy rusher, and that's the number one thing you look for when you're looking at uh, edge rushers is how bendy they are. You know, guys like Tyquan Lewis aren't really that bendy, even right. though he's got a little bit into his game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ture combines that bend with, with quick speed off the end, and also he's really good at hooking his arm around the outside of – of left tackles and when he does that he's able to turn the corner a lot quicker and I again I think earlier in my in my film room it was just if he can learn to you know hook that arm and kind of stop on a dime and come back or if he can you know counter off of that hook there then I think he'd be a lot more uh, a lot better as a rusher and I think he's gotten a little better at that recently too so uh obviously it's going to be a little bit of a developmental thing because again edge rushers you know normally they don't just come in and they're the best in the league he's gonna you know it's gonna take a little bit for him but you know, as a sub rusher, it's hard to to expect anything more from a a second round sub rusher here on this team. Absolutely. Um, so you you've done some other film rooms in here that we didn't get into tonight. Uh, who was who who was one that you studied that you like maybe were most disappointed in? I wouldn't really say disappointed because you know I. How do I say this? Like, I <laughs> keep it positive. Like, I, I pick the one, I pick, I cherry pick guys basically that I, I know that people are gonna like seeing and I know are gonna be more positive type reviews. Right. I will say one guy who I haven't done a film room on, but uh, I've been avoiding it like the plague because I know it would be a really negative one and people would hate it. Is uh, Clayton Gathers this year? I think he's really taken a step back from where he was. Interesting. Uh, earlier in his career, his 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 run angles are really bad. His tackling in open space is 
is really poor as well. Like I, I think that's the biggest area where I've been really down on Clayton Gathers this year is his his open field tackling is way too poor for his zone scheme. And you see a lot bigger, you know, in a zone scheme, you're trying to limit big plays. There shouldn't be any big plays in a zone in a zone defense, but the Colts still give up a lot of big plays. And part of that is because guys like Gathers and and Mike Mitchell of late, but mostly Gathers this year, he misses a lot of open tackles in space. Uh, so I, I've really been down on him. And, you know, if he was a great pass defender, like a guy like Malik Hooker, where, you know, Hooker's, her, Hooker's great at taking away half the field. So if he, you know, messes up sometimes in run defense or he misses an assignment sometimes, you can live with it because he takes away half the field. Gathers doesn't really do much in the pass game either. So overall, I've, I've been really disappointed in his play this year when I've been looking at film. Hmm. Interesting. I'll be looking forward to that one too. Like everybody else right now is probably thinking, man, he he played pretty well against the Jaguars, but I, I agree with you. You you see uh, some of those angles and stuff. That seems to stick out to me the most. Yeah. I mean, as far as his coverage, I guess I can't really say that I've paid that close attention to it, but I did notice and have noticed uh, over the recent weeks, you know, some of his angles to the run and it seemed, they, they just seem you know, very poorly thought out and very poorly, uh, yeah, react re, very bad reactions. It, it just seems like to him, or not great reactions, anyways. Yeah, uh, yeah. Zach, you guys can catch Zach Hicks on Twitter at Zach Z A C H Hicks two. Uh, make sure that you guys are following his work on Stampede Blue. Great film work room uh, for you guys to go check out. Zach, thank you for joining me tonight on the show, man. Yeah, of course, man. Anytime. I, I mean, I love talking film on here or anything Colts. Uh, been a blast of a season so far, even though it's only six and six. But, you know, the last couple of weeks, five and one, the last six weeks, can't really complain too much about that. No, no, not not too much. They're 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 in the the dead sprint, though. Now they've got to win. Yeah. They've got to win out if they really want to be in this uh, playoff hunt for real. So, yeah, for sure. Be, for sure. Be. I will say, though, I've been growing out my beard for <laughs> six weeks here and since I started growing out this beard, the Colts are undefeated when they scored more than zero points. So I think, <laughs> yes. So I think I think it's good luck going forward. So if we see the Colts score a touchdown at all, I mean, they're going to win. Say, if they score a touchdown, I mean, we're probably going to win. <laughs> I mean, we. <laughs> That's awesome. When they score more than zero points, that's great. Yeah, I, I when love they score that. more than zero. <laughs> I love that for a qualifier. Oh shoot! All right, guys. Thank you guys all for joining us tonight on the show. We'll have uh, maybe one more show before the uh, before the game Sunday. Maybe not, but one way or another, as long as the Colts and you know, kind of as another qualifier, as long as the Colts Colts don't score zero, we'll have yeah. a recap of uh, the Colts Week 14 game against the Texans. It's a big one. It's a must win in many different ways and aspects. It's a must win for confidence. It's a must win for playoff pop uh, possibilities. So. Make sure you guys are checking out uh, the show for that. We'll be back for that uh, probably Monday, uh, maybe Sunday night. Depends. So uh, make sure you guys are on the uh, on the look for that. But Zach, once again, thank you for joining me tonight on the show, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you guys are getting to the Stampede Blue podcast channel on iTunes, giving us a rating and review. We madly appreciate it. And as always, get to Stampede Blue for all your Indianapolis Colts news and analysis. We will talk to you next time. Stampede Blue.
Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.